turn on the word to Romans chapter 8. We're going to do part 5 of, of being led by the Spirit. And uh, really, you could do a whole year on it and still not exhaust it because it is one of those subjects that is just very vast. But the uh, Lord said to me earlier in the year, uh, I want you to focus on two themes. And I'll, you know, that doesn't mean we have to do it every week, but he said intercession. And uh, that's more of a Sunday message, but uh, at different times, he said, focus on that, which we'll do as the year progresses. And then he said, at times on the Wednesday night, focus on the, the leading of the Spirit, um, not necessarily for the whole year, but at different times. So we're, we've been focusing on this for a little bit. Might take a break and pick it up later in the year. We'll just see. But tonight is uh, number five in our series. And uh, <clears throat> let's turn to, are you at Romans 8? Let me just find my notes here for a second. Just be patient with me, please. Romans chapter 8. What verse did you say it was, Brother Happy? 14. Thank you. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And verse 16, the Spirit himself, let's call him him instead of it, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So that gives us the primary way that we are led is by a witness or by a what? A knowing. It really means, it's a long Greek word, hard to pronounce, but it really means to corroborate or to give evidence for. So there's a knowing, an evidence. There's a sense of, I don't know why, I just know that I know. I've got an unknown evidence. I've got an un, a non-tangible evidence on the inside. Faith is really the same way because faith is the substance of things that are not seen. So when you really believe, you have a knowing in your heart that you got it, but you can't see it. But how do you have faith without the Holy Ghost? He has to lead you into faith. He, uh, he wrote the word and the word faith comes by the word. So the Holy Ghost is involved in the faith process. Don't remove the Holy Ghost from your faith process. He knows your measure, which means he won't lead you outside your measure. He wrote the word. Jesus is the word. When you're in the word, faith comes because the Holy Ghost helps bring it to you. So the same way that you get that, I just know, I just got it by faith. I just know, even though I don't see it, that knowing is the same kind of knowing you get when, you, when, when you're led. We're separating them. We're separating the colors of the rainbow because faith and leading is technically different, but it's the same sense because the spirit is involved in both applications. And when you get that spirit bearing of witness, Dad Hagen called it a velvety feeling. It's a, it's a cozy feeling. It's warm. It feels like sitting around the fire. Okay, it's not, it's not rushed, it's not stressed, it's not burdensome, it's not fearful, it's not pressured. There's a, there's a peace to it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, you know this already. I'm just, just doing a couple extras here. Um, I can't even remember where that verse is because it's not in my notes. Romans 15. Thank you, Brother Greg, for whispering it to me. Romans 15, 13. I give you credit even when you don't do it, brother. Uh, now, the God of hope. Are you there yet? Yes. Romans 15, 13. No moss grows under my feet. Let's move it. Now, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may bound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Uh, hope sets the table. Faith eats at the table. Hope is the anticipation. Faith is the taking it. Abounding in hope, meaning you've got great, they're right to say that a hope deferred makes a heart sick. You've got to have something to look forward to. Do you understand? And sometimes in your life, it could be a holiday. It doesn't always have to be some spiritual thing. There's just, you need something to get, look forward to. There's something, there's goals you need to have. That's why the world talks about it. We don't talk about that that much, but we probably should maybe a bit more. Even spiritually, you should have goals. What are goals? Goals are a secular way of saying hope. When you know that something's coming, you're reaching for something. You don't see it yet and you don't have it yet, but you know it's coming. There's a hope that comes in your heart. Life's going to get better. I'm going to fulfill the plan. They don't have the church building in Manila yet. There's a hope for that. They're abounding in hope goals. But when they get there and now the timing comes and the leading of the spirit comes and then they take it and they've got it, even though they don't see it, now the hope is turned into faith. Do you see the difference? You can hope for a job, but then when you got the job in your spirit, even before you see the job, that's where hope turned into faith. Amen. You can set the table, but you don't have it until you sit down and take the first bite. So in your believing, let's just focus on the believing part. Now the God of hope, fill you the God of dreams, the God of your future, 
fill you with all joy and peace in your believing. As the dreams are becoming a reality to you and you're believing, you're using your faith, but, but how do you know? Because when we have hope, when we have dreams, sometimes we get too excited and we're stepping out. I have a dream to drive that car. I really have that. That's a hope in me. Well, that's right. But the Holy Ghost is going to guide you in your hope because you're not going to be able to believe and bring it into actual reality. That's what faith does. It actually brings it into reality until the Spirit of God shows you by the level of joy and peace that you have that this is right. And if you try to step out without that, you'll find that you will falter. And he doesn't, I've noticed he doesn't skip steps very easily. (laughs) Right? So I'm sitting there at the BMW dealership years ago, and, and the car that I wanted was that fast car over there, looked like, shaped like a bullet. I said, that's my car. That's what God wants me to drive. My angels are fast. They need a fast car. We've got to keep them exercised. We don't want them to get overweight. And then there was this other car. It wasn't as nice. It wasn't sleek. I said, Jesus, that's the one I want. And so I said, write up that one. This was used. So the used, nicer one costs the same amount as the new, lesser one. Do you understand? But I'll take the used, baby, because they clean that thing up nice. Nobody even knows it's used. I just tell everybody it's new. Nobody's going to know. But, when, but I'm looking at it, and he's doing the thing. And, I, and without, I'm not even like, look, let me really check, because sometimes you don't want to check. Right, Rob? You just want to do it. Because you're just sure that you know. That you know. That you know. But you don't. But you say you do. I don't want to check. So I'm just like, just, just do it quickly. And I tell him, fat, the faster you do it, the better. Because the faster you do it, the Holy Ghost is probably on a, he's probably talking to Willie about something right now. And he, he, he is not going to talk to me for this minute. If you just hurry up and do it, I'll sign it, then it's done. Then I can say, Lord, no, I'm sorry, it's, it's over now, it's done. The problem is the Holy Spirit is with you and he's with me and he's with us simultaneously. <laughs> and so I felt this uneasiness on the inside and I tried to fight it because when, when your soul wants to do something, but your spirit is not happy, uh, you need to learn the difference. You see, that'll help you be led by the Spirit to know the difference. And one way, see, people say, I don't know if God's leading me. I can't tell the difference between my soul and my spirit. It's easier when you want to do something and God doesn't want you to do something. Then it's very easy to tell the difference between soul and spirit. And that's one way I learned how to do it. You just make mistakes. That's not really a mistake. It would be a mistake for me to disobey. But it helped me discover, because sometimes when you want to do something and God wants you to do something, your spirit's in line and your soul's in line. So now you're in unison, but sometimes you're wondering, am I, is it really God? Am I really doing the right thing? Do you understand? So it helps to learn, the, to learn that by things that God doesn't want. Now, don't go out and try to do things God doesn't want. That's not what I'm saying. Pastor Happy is writing notes furiously right now because he's thinking, yes, I knew it. I can now go out and do what Gogan said not to do. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying if it so happens, and I didn't plan it that way, but then there was, see, my mind, my soul wants one, but the Spirit of God is not happy with that. And so I start the internal conversation. And, you, and the, what do you do, Jessica, is you tell God your resume. Like he doesn't know. I've been faithful. They've been mean to me. And then you start the tears. Lord Jesus, you said that you'd give a reward. Right? None of that works, so you might as well just not waste your time. I said, Lord, I really want that one because it's fast. And I don't want this one that's not so fast. It doesn't look so good. And that one is silver. This one's white. No good. No good. We want silver. Silver's like a bullet. I've never seen a bullet made of white, but I've seen a bullet made of silver. So anyway, but, but I, can't, I can't get that. I can't get that. I can't get that. I just can't get that. So finally, I just said, you know, you just have to quit fighting. I've learned that if you try to push it, something will happen to, that will not help you. Like something will happen to your loss, to your frustration, to your inconvenience. And it's not life-threatening most of the time, but it will cost you. And so while I'm sitting there, the Holy Ghost has a real sense of humor, okay? While I'm sitting there, I actually wanted the one above the bullet, okay? Because my budget could afford the one above the bullet, the better one. But I couldn't look at that level, and I had to go with this lower level of either the, bed, the used cooler one or the new not-so-cool one, but it's still mid-range, but I wanted the high range and my budget could afford the high range. But you see, even sitting there in punishment, I'm in punishment. I forgot the punishment. 
while I'm sitting there. What does that mean? What it means is that three years before, I walked into the different dealership and, I, and I've been fascinated with this electric, the electric things and I see this small bug looking like car called the I-3. And I said, that's the one for me. Uh, my budget was much lower then because I'm building my faith. But I could, I could afford it. And Jenny looked at it and she looked at me and she says, I don't know. I think that looks kind of weird. It's really buggish looking, right? That's, anyway, she said, that looks very strange. I don't think that's you. You're more sleek. That's more bubblish. You're not really bubblish. I said, get away from me, woman. I know what I want. I want electric. And she said, are you sure? Now, you see, I could feel something, Jessica, just something very small down here. And I, and I said, I'm gonna, I want what I want. And I didn't even ask God about it. So the salesman love it when you don't ask God about it. He wrote me up faster than you could say jackrabbit. And I drove out with my little electric bug. <sighs> so what they didn't tell you, because they lie to you in the advertisements, just in case you think that they're honest, they're not. What they fail to tell you is that that little electric bug is so light, it's like you're on ice skates in the wintertime. So, and the wheels are only this narrow. I mean, <laughs> most wheels are this. Okay, so I figured out on the very first snowfall, that thing is skating like this. And I'm realizing, oh my God, I'm not even going to be able to drive this in the country because I'm kind of in the country. <laughs> At that point, we were moving to the country. So I said, I'm, I'm really struggling. And then, of course, what they also lied to you about was the range. They said it does all this kilometers. It's a lie. That's if you drive it at 40 kilometers an hour. I don't drive at 40 kilometers an hour. So the range was half what they said. So I couldn't even get to Niagara Falls. I, I mean, I, I couldn't actually even get from my house up to, there's a, a farm that some folks in the church let me go and pray in. I couldn't even get from my house to the farm and back without a charge. So I bought a long extension cord, 500 foot extension cord. <laughs> you, you think I'm joking? I wrapped that thing up, put it in the trunk. And then, I, <laughs> anyway, you don't want to know. If Rosita was here, she would laugh at me because she's always ju judging me about the extension cord because you'd need an extension cord to get the charge so I could get from the farm back to my house. Anyway, in other words, uh, it, it was not convenient. It did not fulfill the mission. It was actually dangerous because in the snow, you had to drive so slow because uh, it would slide. And then one day I was complaining. I'm trying to teach you. I was complaining, Lord, why did you lead me into this piece of junk? This is ridiculous. I can't even drive properly because, you know, you'll blame because you're frustrated. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I didn't lead you at all. You remember that little thing you felt and you slapped it away. He said, I was trying to save you from this nonsense, but you don't listen because you want what you want. And we're all guilty of that, whether it's a purse, a car, a house, or whatever. Um, you got to learn to let the ambition die. So it got so bad uh, that uh, it, got <laughs> it got so bad that I was, I was going on one of the streets. I was only going 40 kilometers an hour, so I was coming around a corner. And, and, the, and because it's got absolutely no traction, it just it didn't turn. I turned the wheel, and it just kept going. Hopped the curb, hit a tree, and, and busted the axle. And of course... BMW, because it's a new car, they don't have the parts. So they have to get Germany to send them the parts. So I have to have this wretched little uh, rental car for like three months while I'm waiting for the parts, which I hated. But, you know, that's the price you pay for not being led by the Spirit. But thank goodness my insurance had accident forgiveness for the first accident because I've never had an accident before. So it didn't cost me a penny, didn't raise my rates. That was his mercy, but it was very inconvenient. Then my wife stepped in and said, I told you, <laughs> which is not what I want to hear right now. Don't get that thing. But you wanted it and you got it and now you're stuck with what you got. Ever heard of the phrase, you make the bed that you, you lie in the bed you've made? And I said, I said, well, you know, but now I'm talking about mercy because you can miss it, but God is merciful. Now I feel something a little, so oftentimes you won't know what it is. I'm trying to help you. You don't always have this knowledge right away. You'll feel something, go and pray. Because he's, get, he's trying to tap you, but he's tapping you in your spirit. He's trying to get your attention. I want to talk to you. Learn that tap. 
Sometimes you just talk to you, or like you just know, but other times you have to go wait before him. So I just felt that, so I went to wait before him. I said, Lord, you know, I knew it was about the car, but I thought, God, I'm not trying, to, I'm not a religious person. So I said, don't just get over it. If you're religious, you're not going to like me. Okay, but I thought God was going to lecture me again. So I didn't really want to go talk to him. Because Jenny's already lectured me. And I'm lectured myself. I'm harder on myself than God is on me. Because I don't like missing it. So I thought, so I kind of delayed that prayer time a little bit. But then I realized he loves me. If he does correct me, I need to hear it. So I went to him and I said, Lord, what is it? He said, I'm not going to correct you. He said, I'm going to get you out of this. I said, I don't deserve to get out of it. I will stay in this. You see, then you have a martyr syndrome. Because Lord, I just, I'm just a failure and I deserve this. See, that's not right either. If God's trying to show you mercy, who are you to judge? Who are you to keep yourself in the prison? You see how many pitfalls we've got all over the place. There's pitfalls. So I just, and I've learned that lesson. So I, I said, Lord, you, you, you're going to get me out of it. He said, I'm going to get you out of it. I said, how, how is that possible? I'm on a lease. You can't get me out of it. He said, go to the dealer. And he told me to go to a different dealer, not the one I, I got it from. So that's called strategy. He said, I've already prepared somebody. I walked in there, didn't know anybody. I said, who am I going to pick? He said, the first one you see. So I see this, this Italian guy, well-dressed, as all Italians, Italians are, uh, standing there. And I said, hello, my name is. And he said, hello, my name is. And I said, you're the man to help me. I talk to sometimes like that to people just to get them softened up. And he says, I am the man to help you. How can I help you? I said, I need you to take this car that I have one year to go on the lease. And I don't like the car because y'all lied to me. And the thing is like ice skates and it only goes half the distance and it just don't work for me. So because y'all lied, you need to take it back. And so you're going to help me. And he said, I can't help you. I said, now you are going to help me and you're going to go talk to your manager. Now, how can I be bold? Because God said that man's going to help you. So I'm not leaving that place until they help me. I'll stay, I'll stay all day until they help me because I had a word from the Lord. Oh, let me go talk to the manager, but it don't go and get your hopes up. So he comes on back and he goes, well, I don't know why, but my manager said that we could try, but don't worry, it won't work. <laughs> See how people try to talk you out of it. So I, but I got a word. So I was led by the spirit. So my faith is attached to the leading. Remember that faith will attach to the leading. Faith attaches to leading. So I said, well, just go ahead and try. He says, but sir, you don't understand. In order for us to do this, do you see, he, he, say, he says, you see out there? I said, yeah. He said, you see, there's two other cars just like yours, but they are current year cars. Yours is three years old. I can't even sell them because no one likes this car. <laughs> and he said, by the way, why did you buy it? I mean, like, what am I supposed to say? I don't know. God told me not to, and I didn't listen. Like, I can't say that. I just said, well, I'm fascinated in the electric technology, but y'all need to come up a long way in your electric technology. He goes, I know we do. He said, that's why nobody wants to buy them. He said, so what you're asking me is you want me to sell your car when I have a better car with no kilometers on it, two of them waiting, and we've got specials on those cars to try to get rid of them. And you want me to sell a used car with kilometers that's already got into an accident. Because he said, have you had any accidents? And I heard a voice say, no. And I heard another voice say, yes. This one was a small red with a pitchfork. And this one had little wings, white wings. So I had to, I can't lie. Listen, they're going to find out anyway. They do research. So what's the point of lying? But I wouldn't have lied anyway. I said, yeah, I did. But it was just a very tiny thing. It wasn't a big deal. And uh, whatever. So... <laughs> It was. It wasn't a big deal. It, it, it wasn't bad, but it's just annoying. So anyway, long story short, is I, I, he said, listen, so you've had an accident. It's a used car. It's got kilometers. It's a brand no, it's a car, no, it's style nobody wants. He said, even the color you picked, nobody wants. It was white. He said, at least if it was gray, I could have something to work with. But he said, you picked, everything is against you, sir. And I've got two better ones that haven't had an accident, brand new, with sale and no kilometers. How do you expect me to do this? And I'm thinking to myself, I missed it. I must have missed it. God don't got no one to help me here. This is impossible. But I know the inner witness. I know the inner voice. And he said, there's somebody I've assigned to help you. There is somebody, my brother and sister, assigned to help you, even if it looks impossible. And I said, uh, Reno, his name was Reno. I said, Reno, you just 
Do you just do whatever you can? I said, I know. I was going to say, I know things that you know not of, but then I thought he's going to think I'm a nut. He already questions my, my logic. Why I even bought the car? I better not. It sounds spooky, right? Like, like I've got a crystal ball or something. So I, I said, you know what? I said, just do the best you can. And, uh, and I said, you know what? I'm a minister. I'm a pastor and I believe in miracles. And he goes, well, I don't honestly. He's a very nice man, but he was very frank with me. He said, I'm Catholic and I don't. And I said, but Catholics do believe in miracles. All Catholics believe. He said, not this one. So I said, well, I believe and I just want you to try. So a num number of days go by, number of days go by. And what do I do? So I'm led. So I just kept, I just claimed it. I said, devil, you take your hands off that. Angels, <laughs> I got a real job for you this time, buddy. You better go. You might have to go to China to find a buyer, but you're going to find one for me. Because God said in his mercy, he'll get me out of my nonsense because I didn't listen. And I think it was about two weeks later, he called me and as he said, Reverend, I said, yes. He said, you're right. I said, what? He said, I do believe in miracles. I said, why? He said, somebody showed up, looked at the new cars. I told them, but I have another car. This car's had an accident. This car's got kilometers and this car's not new, but I'll give you a darn good deal on it better than the other cars. Right, right. And he said, uh, we're not making a penny. In fact, we're losing money <laughs> on this sale. But he said, I don't know why, but my, my boss man told me to tell you, if you'll consider getting another vehicle from us, not an electric vehicle, right. just another vehicle, he will lose money on this deal to keep you as a customer. Yes. But that's called favor. So I said, and he said, but there's another problem. You, you owe more on the car than it's worth because of the lease and the depreciation. So he said, you owe more than it's worth. And it was like four or $5,000. It was quite significant. And, and I said, Lord, what should I do? I'll just keep the stinker. I'll just keep the stinker and just see out the lease and be done with it. And the Lord said, I told you I'm getting you out of this. I said, well, how are you going to get me out of this? He said, I've already started the miracle. Why are you arguing with me? I said, I'll get you out of it. Say Yes. All this is happening internally. I said, okay, fine. Uh, uh, yeah, I know there's a negative, there's a negative, what do you call it? I can't remember what the word is. A negative equity. I know there's a negative equity, but if your boss man is saying that, I really appreciate it. And if you've got a buyer for this, I said, that truly is a miracle. He said, can you bring it in today? We have to clean it. That person wants to come tonight and pick it up. I said, yes, sir, I can. I'm on the way right now. I got a car wash. I vacuumed it just so I could show a little bit of honor showed up. They took it. That little wretched thing was out of my sight. Now he says, now you come in my office. Now we catch up. That's the backstory. Now I'm in the office and I see the bullet and I see the other one that I don't really like. I said, I want the bullet. Not, I'm, that's where I met in the story. But I forgot that all that time I'm in this predicament because I didn't listen. And I feel a check about the bullet and I'm still fighting it because when you want something, you're not spiritual. When you want a mate, don't even get me started on that one. But I'll be alone forever. Right. And you're not spiritual. But they're so attractive. Right. And you're not spiritual. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot easier when you're dealing with things. But a lot of people apply this to people and they get in big trouble in their relationships. You want something. You want it more than anything. You want that job. You want that relationship. You, you got to learn to listen. You got to learn to listen. And so I'm arguing with God. Think of the audacity. I'm arguing with him sitting in the chair inside while the guy is running the numbers on the bullet. And I heard the Lord say, you are sitting here because of your stubbornness and you're still arguing with me. And then I heard him say, get the bullet. I called it a bullet. It's not called a bullet. It's called the 600 series. Nice. <laughs> But he didn't, I just called it the bullet. And so he talks to you in terms that you understand. And he said, get the bullet. Like he was annoyed like that. Get the bullet. And I thought, my God, if I get the bullet, something bad's going to happen. <laughs> Maybe this, it's a lemon and I don't know it. Why would somebody, by the way, return that car? Something's wrong with it and they're lying to me again. I, my mind starts spinning, right? But I thought, if he's annoyed with me, I can't, I don't want to hurt him. Forget about the stupid car. I don't want to hurt him. I already made a mistake. I don't want to hurt him. And I heard the Lord say, now, now remember, I wanted to get the higher end car, but I couldn't afford the higher end car because all the negative equity had to be paid back. 
So when you pay, take all that into account and you add it, take it over a lease payment, now what I can afford in the budget is a lot less than what I originally could afford. So I'm already on a middle level because of my stupidity. And I'm still fighting in the middle level for my way. I'm talking to you because we're all like this. And you're going to find yourself in situations where you're like this. And don't make the same silly mistakes. In fact, I bet you a lot of you already have. Because as human beings, we do. But we want to get more skillful with these things. And so I immediately made the adjustment inside because I knew he was upset with me. And I was going to go into another problem. And I don't know what the future holds. And I don't know what's wrong with that vehicle. But he knows. Because he knows everything. He knows what's wrong with it. He knows why it's not good for me. Maybe I would have been tempted to speed. <laughs> In the bullet. Maybe God didn't. <laughs> thank you, brother. <laughs> Lord help us. Maybe God didn't want to tempt me. Maybe it was a lemon. Maybe. I don't know. And I don't care. All I know is I couldn't foresee the problems with the first one. And there were. He tried to save me. Now I'm paying a price and I'm still fighting for my rights. No, I made the internal adjustment real quick. And I, and I said, Reno, stop. And he goes, what? I said, no. He said, but, but that's a nicer one. Now he wants to get rid of his used inventory more. Because he can't get rid of the used. So he wants me to buy that one. So he's trying to give me all the features. But you know how fast it goes? My God, want to go for a test drive? He's trying to tempt me. The devil's in this man. <laughs> I felt like saying, get thee behind me, Satan. But I didn't because he wouldn't understand that. And I said, Reno, I can be very direct if, if I'm pushed. Reno, stop talking. But I said, you're not the boss. I'm the boss. Shut up and split this car in the book. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to the bathroom. When I come back, this better be done. But, but shut up, Reno. Just do the job. And I walked off because I don't need the temptation for the bullet. So I physically removed myself because he's trying to make the sales pitch. So I come back and he has the more boring car all set up for the same price, but inside. And I'm looking at it. I don't even want to look at the bullet because I just start to salivate. When I see this one, it's just like, whatever, whatever. But in here, I had such peace. I knew the Lord was smiling. I knew he was happy because he's saving me from something that I don't even know what he's saving me from. You've got to trust the inner witness even when you can't see the future because he knows stuff you don't know. That inner witness will never lead you astray, not with a person, not with a flight you're getting on, not with renting a car, not with picking this road that you're going to drive on, not with the school you're picking. I mean, little things, big things and everything in between. I saw this gorgeous tie once. It was a very beautiful tie. It was $400 and I, I had it in my hand. I mean, it was one of the most beautiful ties I'd ever seen. This is back years ago and I was taking it and I had a grieving and I said, Lord, see, he's not talking to me. That's just an inner witness. And I said, Lord, but I really want this. He didn't answer. He doesn't want to answer you. Don't argue with him. So I took it back to the rack and I put it back and I'm thinking he don't want me to spend the money. God is not about not spending the money. A week later, I was in another store. I sold the exact same tie for 75% off. Exact same one. And I, felt the, and I felt this jump as soon as I saw it, my spirit moved. And, I heard the, and then I heard him speak. He said, I was trying to save you money. And he said, now look. And I looked, and there was a second tie that I loved. And he said, now you can buy two. See, I could have fought my way and said, oh, God, you're being cheap. No. No, because that's what your mind thinks. No, he actually wants to give me more for the same money. Right? Praise God. So, but, but you got to get, you got you to live your life. I don't know how to explain this to you, but you got to live your life always with your radar checking your spirit. And I mean consistently, not weird, flaky. I mean, on a regular basis, you are in tune. It's like your radar is going out of your spirit. There's a radar going to pick things up. Danger to bless somebody. Sometimes, once I walked out, where's Andrea? Andrea, uh, once I was walking out, I had all the stuff in my hands. I was walking out the door, and I'm struggling with the door, and I kick it open, you know, the green room door to try to, because I got so much in my hands, and I don't want to make two trips. You know, so I'm struggling, and, and I heard the Lord say, go to the cafe. I said, I don't want to go to the cafe. I heard it real clear. I want to talk to somebody. So I put everything down. I walk in the cafe. There's nobody there. I said, well, I guess I missed it. I'm going home. And as I'm turning around, he said, look in the cafe, boy. So I went, and there's Andrea and Hortense snuck around in the little thing where you can't see them. 
And I said, them? And he said, go. And as soon as I opened my mouth, the word of prophecy came for Hortense. So it was for her. But then as soon as I looked at Andrea, this I'm talking, that's one leading. But then as soon as I looked at Andrea, something bubbled, I could feel something bubbling, but no words came. So I don't know, I'm, should I prophesy? But it won't come up. So I just smiled and whatever, and I, I think I might have mentioned a couple things to her, but I wasn't 100% sure. I get the stuff, I go in the car, and that bubbling keeps coming up, coming up, coming up, coming up, and while I'm driving, the words come out of my spirit. See, that's another operation. Sometimes it comes right away, and sometimes it comes a little bit over time. You've got to learn the Holy Ghost because he has different flows and different moods. You can't force him. But it just come out of my mouth while I'm driving, and it just comes out of my mouth. Next staff member. So I just believe in just get the job done and do it quick. Yeah. So I picked up the phone and I said, Andrew, I'd like to offer you a job. She worked for a judge. I said, dump him and come work for Jesus. I didn't say I'm Jesus. I just said, come work for Jesus because he's my boss. And she prayed about it and she said yes. And she came and she's been the best blessing to us. See, the Holy Ghost authored that. I don't hire people. I've never looked at an resume once and I never will look at a resume ever because I don't hire by the flesh. I hire by this. The Holy Ghost looks at your resume. And by the way, your resume has got nothing to do with where you've worked. Your resume is your heart. And when he looks at a resume and he says, that's who I want for this role, then he speaks and then I just obey him. I'm just the delivery boy. I don't make the decisions. I just follow the rules. I follow the leadings. But you see, there's different flows. There's different, some quick, some slow. Some just a little, a little nudge and you need to pray about it. Other times, there's a voice of the Spirit. If you'll just learn to just be aware, keep that radar going, not in a weird way, but just learn. You, you're still living. You're still talking. You're still normal. You're still joking. You're still having fun, but you're aware. There's an awareness of the Spirit. I'm telling you, not only will it protect you, but it will lead you into blessings. Jesus told Dad Hagen, I do not have a problem with my people. Sorry. He said, if you learn to follow my spirit, I'll make you rich. And he didn't mean rich spiritually. He meant rich because he's already rich spiritually. Rich naturally. You've got to learn to follow my spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And then he said, and I don't mind my people being rich, like all the preachers say, that they don't, know what, they don't know God. But I have a problem with them being covetous. Covetous is greediness. It's money-mindedness. It's where you're always, money's your everything. God has a problem with that. But if you can just keep it in the right place, God does not mind blessing you. And he wants to bless you if you'll learn to follow his spirit. Hallelujah. Isn't the Lord good? I want to learn to follow his spirit. And not because I want to be rich. I just don't want to struggle. And when you got a little bit extra and you're not trying to always stretch that budget elastic band to make to make the ends meet. It's a little, which I've done for so many years. It's a little bit easier when you don't have to stretch it as much. And when there's a little bit left over and it's actually a really cool thought to say, Lord, who can I, what can I do? Who can I bless with this? Yeah. I want you to give that hundred dollars to that person, but I don't like that person. Give it to them anyway. I want you to give that hundred dollars to that person, but I want to give them a thousand because I really like them. I said a hundred, give them, but you don't have any money. How are you supposed to do that? You know what I'm saying? Praise God. So have a look with me. Uh, uh, that wasn't any of my notes, but I just felt the Holy Ghost say, tell that story. So it's 834. Maybe there will be a part six, but we don't like six because it's a number of the devil. So there must be a part seven. So we'll just have to wait and see how this goes. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ephesians chapter uno, please. That's one. I know not all of you are fluent in Spanish like me. <laughs> Ephesians chapter one and... Uh, Please have a look with me in verse 17. Well, you know, this is the prayer that he's praying in verse 16. I cease not to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers. Ephesians 1, 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom. The spirit of wisdom. Can I give you a small hint? Dad Hagen prayed this prayer, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, Mainly, he focused on Ephesians 1 and 3, but then he also added in Colossians 1, Philippians 1, but the primary ones, I didn't know that. I thought he prayed them all equally, but then I heard him say once, I focused on Ephesians 1 and 3. So his primary was Ephesians 1, and he prayed this prayer thousands of times over a nine-month period as he was transitioning out of the pastorate. Thousands of times, and he would spend times partially fasting, many days miss a meal, 
And then he would just go and pray in the Holy Ghost and speak these words and pray in the Holy Ghost and speak these words. And he said, after that, after nine months, he said the explosion of revelation was so dramatic that he said to his wife, what have I been preaching for 15 years? He said, it's a, his words were, it's a wonder that the deacons didn't come take me out of the rain. In other words, I'm, out, I'm not even in the church building doctrinally. I'm so far gone in what I think and my religious tradition. Are you with me? Can I say something else? It's also not, this is a non-note night. But as he was praying that out, Greg, he said something which really, really, really blessed me. He's praying out for months, just sitting and just kneeling at the altar, sometimes sitting, sometimes kneeling, sometimes walking, sometimes lying down. Posture doesn't matter. What matters is that you actually pray. And he would just say, if I don't come home, honey, don't send the kids to get me because the parsonage is right beside their home. So the kids would run and say, daddy, it's dinner. Leave me alone. If I don't come, I know when dinner is. I have a watch. Just leave me alone because it means I'm fasting. I'm skipping the meal. And he said, many days I would do that. And I'd just wait before the Lord. And I'd pray these prayers and pray in the Holy Ghost and pray these prayers and pray in the Holy Ghost. And then he said, one day, he said, it's hard to explain spiritual things in English because it doesn't really make sense to the mind. But he said, it's like I could see. It wasn't an open vision, but he said, it's like I could see this like the, the hand of God going down deep, deep, deep into me, like the hand of God going deep into me, deep, deep into me and pulling, tugging on something, pulling, pulling, pulling something out. But it's a spiritual experience, but he's not having a vision. I don't know how to explain that, but if it happened to you, you'd understand. And he said, and when it came out, he said, I saw, so he's talking a spiritual thing because it wasn't physical. He said, I saw this old black shoe looked like it had been shriveled up, like the leather was all shriveled, like it had been left out in the rain and then in the hot sun. It was all shriveled. And he said, but the weird thing is there were octopus tentacles coming out of different parts of the shoe. That's no shoe has an octopus living in it. So this is a spiritual thing that means something. It's not a physical thing. And he said, Lord, that is disgusting looking. What is that thing? And the Lord said, that is your denominational religious mindsets that you think you've got rid of, but they're still in you. This is Kenneth E. Hagan because he used to be a Baptist before he became a Pentecostal. And there are old shoes in the Baptists and there are old shoes in the Pentecostals. And dare I say the heresy, there could even be old shoes in the word of faith. <laughs> There's always old shoes of religious thinking. And it took God, notice how, months, praying in the Holy Ghost. See, now I'm talking about leading of the Spirit. That is a leading of the Spirit. That's not the little tiny thing there or the voice, but that was a different kind of a leading where just praying and speaking the Word and praying and speaking these Pauline prayers for revelation knowledge, revelation that out of the Spirit of wisdom and revelation, Spirit of wisdom and revelation, Spirit of wisdom and revelation. And over time, he got revelation. What was it? That they were thought, things in his mind, in his decision-making, in his soul realm that was from the denominational church. And the Lord, and they notice the tentacles. You see, those things want to wrap around you on the inside. They want to affect your thought process. The Lord said, if you don't get that out. Yeah. Well, you know what struck me is that he didn't even know he had it. There was no prophecy. Yay. And again, I say, yay, yay, yay. There is an old shoe with octopus inside of thee. That didn't happen that way, did it? It could have. D dare we say that there could be a lot of old stuff in you? Half the reason people leave the church. Half the reason they get offended. Half the reason marriages don't work is because they're old shoes in you. You saw mommy, you saw daddy slap mama around. So now you've decided that you can slap your mama around, your wifey around. That's an old shoe. Your culture is stingy. That's an old shoe. Your culture's not stingy, but mama and daddy were broke, poor, and they were stingy. That's an old shoe. That will affect you. Right? Your old church did it a certain way. Now the Lord's trying to break that mindset, but you're resistant to it. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you the Holy Ghost is trying to say something through me, even though it's a non-note night. But he's trying to say something through me tonight that there are old shoes in all of us, including in me. And what really struck me is that nobody prophesied to him. There was no, God didn't say, I want you to have an extended period of praying so that I can get old shoes out of you. God didn't even tell him that. 
He was just hungry. Now, you, what initially started it is that he started feeling dissatisfied with the pastoral office. That's what started it. But he said, I don't understand why I feel dissatisfied because we have the nicest parsonage that we've ever had in all the different places he pastored. This is the 12th year of pastoring. 15th year of ministry, but 12th year of pastoring. So he got saved. He started preaching right away in 1934. He had three years. And then, and, then, and, then, and then after three years, he started pastoring. He pastored for 12 years. And then he stepped out of his wilderness, out of his, it, it wasn't even his first phase. It wasn't even on God's record book yet. He left, he left his preparatory wilderness season and stepped in in his first phase of ministry, which after 15 years of preaching and seeing miracles and healings and all that kind of stuff. And that's why Jesus said to many of my own ministers never enter the first phase of their ministry. They're still in preparatory time because their heart's not right and they're ambitious and they won't die to things. And I can't get them out if they don't, if they don't deal with the heart issues. Right? But what started was, and listen, this is fascinating. He started having an, a dissatisfaction. A dissatisfaction is not a grieving. A dissatisfaction is exactly that. I don't know why, but I don't like this anymore. But I should like it. My mind tells me it's the best parsonage. They were making the best money. They had the best car, the best congregation, the best salary, the best size of church. Everything is the best. And I've noticed that when God has a change for you, the devil will make sure everything is the best because he don't want you to get out of that change. He don't want you to step into that change. He wants you to stay exactly where you are so he'll offer you the best. I was offered a plus $100,000 USD, which is like $2 million Canadian, for a 400-member church in Louisiana <laughs> by Hilton Sutton. Bring that boy over here. I got a good church for him. They'll take him craft fishing, and it's by the ocean. I grew up by the ocean. You understand how perfect that is for me? It's hot. That's what I want. I don't want this. It's America. They have guns. They shoot alligators. That's what I like. That's what it is. That's what I want. And it's big money. And it's a pre, pre-made church. Just move in. The devil set it all up. Because God was leading me to start Promise of Life. But the devil worked it out so that there's a perfect opportunity. Isn't that amazing? So, but you've got to learn to forget all that stuff and look. If there's a dissatisfaction, what does that mean? Don't go into depression. Don't ignore it. Pray. I don't know why, but I feel like I'm not satisfied with pastoring anymore. But I love pastoring, and everything is the best it's ever been. So instead of just saying, oh, that just must be me, and ignoring it, he would have missed the whole plan of God. Rhema would not exist. He'd have stayed as a little pastor until he was 80 years old, and then he would, actually, no, he actually wouldn't. He would have died at 57, because Jesus told him, if you don't handle the prophet's office right, you're dead at 57. He only started Rhema in his 60s, or late 50s, something like that. But I mean, Rhema wouldn't exist. So that dissatisfaction was very important that he didn't just ignore it because he thought it was his personality. A lot of times you ignore something that's rolling because you think, oh, that's just me. Well, just be careful because there's a lot more going on that's spiritual in you than maybe you realize because your spirit is alive unto God and the Holy Ghost. If you've got any kind of a prayer life at all, you're, you're picking up a lot more than you realize you're picking up. So don't dismiss things as being just, that's just life or that's just me. Check, because it could be the Holy Ghost. And it took nine long months. Think about that. Every day, day in, day out, waiting on God. Partial fast, reading, studying, praying, 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 until long time into that, fa- into that prayer time, finally the shoe came out. And God didn't even tell him about the shoe. Well, you know, that tells me that if there's a shoe in me, <laughs> and there's shoes in most of us, then uh, God may not even tell me that there's a shoe. But I better, start to pr- I better start to seek him. Because if there's anything there that displeases him, he wants it out. He wants it out. Praise God. He wants it out. But you're not going to get things out. A lot of people say, I don't know why I act the way I act. Are you listening to me? Yeah. Holy Ghost trying to help some of you. This is spontaneous uh, by the utterance of the Spirit. Because this is a, I'm not doing, looking at my notes. But I keep hearing them say, say this, say this, say this. Now listen, some of you say, I don't know why I act this way. I've always been defensive all my life. I don't understand. I've always not let people in. I've always feel like I have walls. I don't know why I act this way. That's one area. It could be, I don't know why I'm always angry. It could be, I don't know why, but I just seem to lie a lot. I don't know why I'm not trying to lie, but it's just so easy to lie. 
Do you understand? There's issues with us. Why do I act the way I act? Have you ever asked yourself that instead of thinking that you're all that? The best thing than sliced bread? Why don't you take an internal look at yourself? I'm talking about spiritual people do this, not condemnation, but a good look at yourself with the Holy Ghost help because he will never condemn you. Don't look at yourself with demons because they'll make you feel as the biggest loser in the world. No, no, the Holy Spirit is my counselor, not a devil. I go with him, Holy Spirit, just talk to me. And don't do this in front of somebody else. Don't say, hey, buddy, would you come over to watch the game? And then while you're watching the game, what's wrong with me? God, what's wrong with me? That's time to watch the game. No, it's because some people are so weird. <laughs> oh, God. I've gone on motorcycle rides, Wayne, with ministers, and they said, like, I don't know, God's going to talk to me. Something's wrong. I'm just, would you shut up and drive? Go back to your prayer closet. Don't do that on the motorcycle ride so I can hear you. These things are private. Keep them private. Okay, I don't do that in front of people. I don't even do it in front of my wife. Now that that dog is uh, into yoga, I can't even do it in front of the dog. (laughs) Just, I go by myself where nobody's around. And I don't broadcast it to the whole house so everybody will think I'm spiritual. I just say, Holy Spirit, be my helper, be my teacher. Is there, what is in me that needs to come out? Why, why, why do I act this way? Well, I don't understand why I do this. I'm serious. It's really important. Because the Lord showed me once that because my, my stepdad beat me, you don't know that, but he physically abused me at different times. He'd beat me until I bled. And the Lord showed me that that, that physical abuse, uh, which didn't happen a lot, but it did happen at times, it affected the way I treated my children. It opened a door. Trauma will open the door to demons. It opened a door to wrong mindset, and it opened a door to a thought process about discipline that was not right because I didn't want to do any discipline lest I hurt them. Jenny beat it right into you. <laughs> Jenny got no problem, but Jenny wasn't abused. Do you understand? And, and it, took a, it took a lot for God to, that was a shoe and a flip-flop and a parka, all wrapped in one. I don't know, but that was a lot. But it took a long time for him to show me why I'm acting this way. Why do I feel this way? Why do I get that sick feeling in my stomach when this happens? What is that? I don't understand what that is. Why do I go into this extreme when I should be in the middle of road in this situation? And I'm not talking about that anymore. I'm talking about other things. Do you understand? You know, my parents have been divorced. My mother's been divorced. She's a godly woman, but she didn't marry godly men. (laughs) If you're not going to marry a godly man, there's a problem. So I've had three dads. When you got three dads that mess you up in different ways, all love you, but, all, but they don't always do everything right. And you're a little kid and you can't understand all of this. That's why kids go to psychiatrists. I needed one, but I've got the great counselor on the inside of me. And he knows more than the psychiatrist. Knows. And he don't cost any no money either. He's free. The best advice for free. But it takes time. You have to lie on his couch. And you're not just there for one hour. The Holy Ghost never says, session's up. Time is up. The Holy Ghost says, would you stay a little longer? And you're the one that says, time's up, time's up. I got to go on TikTok, time's up. TikTok, TikTok, time's up. That's what you do. I have to check my Instagrams and my Facebooks because you got plural of everything. You don't have one account, you got four accounts now. So everything's pluralized. And so, but he's saying, would you just stay a little bit longer? Because I can help you, boy, if you stay a little longer. And I, I'm telling you, there are a lot of things I've said, Lord, I don't understand why. And I'll be honest with you. Some things the Lord has showed me by extended waiting, not just flippant. He said, son, that's your personality. I made you like that. That's not something that needs to be changed. Do you understand? Because you need that personality when you're going to go into the wilds of Africa. You can't be pussyfooting around when they've got an AK-47 in your face. You, you, you're going to have the gift of faith. You're going to have faith. You're going to have all this stuff. But you also better have a certain... There's certain people that are not cut out for the field. Pardon the pun. But they're not cut out for the field. And there's certain people that are. Listen, God gave Dr. Sumrall a personality and an anointing to match his call. Now, Dr. Summerall is my hero, so I'm going to say something, but y'all better watch what you say about him. Don't talk, to, don't talk about my, my grandpa, because he's my grandpa. But Dr. Summerall, believe it or not, was not perfect. I know that's a shock to all of you. 
He was not perfect. Dr. Summerall had some very rough edges. So Dr. Dufresne would tell me what Dr. Summerall would do. And I think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread because he just, he just, he, <laughs> he'd be slurping his soup. The minister would be talking to him about some stupid thing. This, I'm doing this on television. He'd say, huh, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and the guy would go away. Shut up. <laughs> Dr. Summerall just was gruff. He didn't have time for anything. No nonsense. Don't talk to me about your vision. It's about my vision. He would tell people that. This, oh, I don't know what you're doing. You need to know what I'm doing because you need to help me. Yeah. See, that, that, that's a mindset. They, he's a spear. Yeah. But because he was so visionary and so strong, he did leave at times a trail of dead bodies around him. Okay? So I decided one day, Taylor, that because I have, a, not, not quite as extreme, but a similar... I'm a cousin to that person. I'm the nice cousin. I'm not the weird cousin with the hair like this. I'm the nice cousin to that personality, but I still have a remnant of it in me. And I thought, my God, thank God, he gave him a personality and anointing to match his call. God's given me the personality and the anointing to match my call. And I just took that as a license to be mean to people. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I would say that. Jenny would say, what do you do? Dr. Summer said it, shut up. You can ask my wife, I would do that. <laughs> I did a lot while I traveled before I pastored, man, because I didn't have the grace for pastoring. And when I'm a traveling minister, it's even worse. Man, I just like, I just, anyway, you don't even want to know what I would say to people. You don't even want to know. I'm not proud of it. But anyway, I just, but I justified it, Greg, because I said, that's okay. That's my personality. It matches my call with my anointing. Leave me alone. And one day I was waiting on the Lord and the Lord said, I want to talk to you about your Dr. Sumrall personality. <laughs> and I thought, but he wouldn't have done that if I hadn't waited on him. Yeah. He would have let me go all my life. Yeah. Now, I'm not talking against Dr. Sumrall. Don't get me wrong. Okay, I'm not. Yeah. Dr. Sumrall has forgotten more about God than I will ever know in 10 lifetimes. So I'm nobody to correct the Titan. I'm simply drawing a point. Okay, that you can have a great call and a great anointing and a personality to match, but still have some areas of rough edges that God wants to shave. Are you with me? And so the Lord said, you need to stop telling people that you don't care about this. <laughs> That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I don't want you to. I said, but you let him do that. He said, you're not him. But I knew he also meant I didn't let him do everything. But he's not going to correct Dr. Summerall to me. So he didn't. But I knew he meant I didn't. Not all of that was my authoring. But he said, you're not him. So that's all he said to me. You're not him. You don't have a right to say that. So he said, well, I said, what? He said, now listen, son, you can have your personality and you can have that anointing and it matches your call, but you still need the fruits of the spirit. Now, at times when that anointing comes on you to be real aggressive, then that's okay. But on daily life, when the anointing is not on you to be really aggressive, I'd like you to be kinder to people. <laughs> I'm sorry, Taylor, but that's just like... Taylor's very happy that God told me that. <laughs> and so is Jessica. And so are certain other people on the front row, including the board members. But, but I've mellowed a lot, but I'm just saying I, I, I really had to fight with that because I thought, I, I'm trying to help you. I justified actions, behaviors, thoughts, words, because that's my personality and I don't need to change. God made me that way. God doesn't make people mean. But God does make people bold and strong and courageous. Now, you can mix the bold, strong, and courageous with being annoyed with people, and very soon you fall into the pit of meanness. But now you're saying it's bold and courageous. But it's not. It's something that's, that's a little bit not right, quite right. But the Holy Ghost is the great counselor because he'll say, that's good, that one was good, but this one not so good. Are you sure, Lord? Because it felt good. Just because it feels good, boy. Doesn't mean that it is good. I can't tell you how many times he said that to me. So sometimes your personality is not what, what God is wanting, but he gave you your personality, but he's filtering it through an imperfect vessel. So the spirit wants to shape your personality like, like, like the potter shapes the clay. He wants to shave off things and not change the innate you, but, but flavor you, marinate you, so that you smell the best and you talk the best, and you, but you're still you. But all that bad stuff, the gristle, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. is off you. Yeah. 
you know, the spiky bone sticking out of that steak that if you bite too hard or cut your mouth, he wants to shave that baby off. But it's still you. It's just the best part of you. And I was justifying bad behavior for years in certain areas uh, because that's me. God, the, see, the leading of the Spirit will lead you out of that. It's never an excuse to treat people wrong because of your personality. Because if you know God, he will fix that. And then other areas, I would say, Lord, there's nothing to do with personality. It's to do with past learnings. Okay? Thank God I never, I never had any learnings about racism because I grew up in a racist country. So that was one thing that never... I seem to be immune from a child on that one. But, but there was a lot of other things that, that, you know, I just, I needed to renew my mind on. And I'd say, Lord, why do I act this way? Why do I feel this way? Why does this hurt me so much? Why does this make me so angry? Why don't you ask God for that stuff? Because you're not any better. You've got all got halos on you. But you need to take those halos off. Because you know better than me. I know you're not. We're all in the same boat. We're humans. I put my, my pants on two, two legs at a time. One leg at a time, just like you. <laughs> Maybe I would be a superhero if I could do that, but we're, we're, we're the same. I have, a, I have a calling, but I'm the same as you. you. You have a calling. You're the same as me. We're different, but same. And if you can just look inside and say, Holy Spirit, is there anything uh, that I need to change? That's one question, because sometimes you don't even think you need to change. So you have to ask him, is there anything I need to change? And he'll show you like he did with my personality. But then you can also say it another way. Instead of saying, is there anything I need to change like you don't know, and he'll show you, but then you can actually be proactive and say, why do I act like this? Why do I feel like this? Because something I feel is not quite right, but I don't know where it comes from, and I don't know why, and I'm not trying to be a bad person, but Lord, I don't understand. And if you'll just wait with him, sometimes he'll show you the root cause. Other times he don't want to show you the root cause because you don't need to know it. He just wants to fix you. Wait on me, wait on me, wait on me. Remember that man that Randy Greer told us about, that Pastor Dave who couldn't grow his church and he's praying for all those months and fasting for all those months and he's praying for growth. He ain't praying for old shoes, he's praying for growth. But amazing, God wouldn't bring the growth until he had the old shoes. Are you all listening to me? Ministers that have a call in your life, are you listening to me? Because God may not bring the growth until he's got the old shoe out. The rest of us, all of us are the same. We want to increase. We want blessing. We want our relationships to flourish. God needs to get out old shoes. So while, while he's praying for growth, he starts, remember, he starts getting enraged and he starts smashing the pews. That was a demon manifestation. Why? Because what the old shoe that was in him, because he was abused as a child, beaten. What, not like I was just minuscule compared to what Randy told me. He was really beaten. And some people have gone through these traumatic experiences and this pain is inside and this rage is inside and sometimes demons are in. Yeah. not possessing you, but they are part of your personality because of trauma, yeah. because of rape, because of somebody leaving you, because of whatever. Yeah. And as he's praying, not for that Merry Chris, praying for something completely unrelated, but God was not focusing on what he was praying. God was trying to get what was wrong in him out so that he could give him what he's praying for. And that rage started coming out with screams and smashing. Why? Because demons are leaving him. And at the end of it, he's meek and mild and, and, and full of forgiveness and all that pain. I don't know why. I bet you he was saying, I don't know why I act this way. I don't know why I feel this way. Why? Because there's something inside. Yeah. Not always it's a demon, but there's something, yeah. just an old shoe that needs to come out. Sometimes there's a devil attached to it. Sometimes there's not. Don't get demon conscious. Don't worry about it because the demon's got no power over you anyway. So whether there's a demon there or not, just get the shoe out. If there's a little critter attached to it. Ignore the critter. It'll come out with the shoe. Yes. Don't focus on the demon. Don't try to give yourself a deliverance session and become a weirdo with a bucket. Come out. Just, just stop doing that. I'm, I'm joking because I don't think anybody here would be that stupid. But some people in the deliverance churches, everybody gets a personal bucket. They engrave their name on the bucket. They got a special handle for their bucket. They take their bucket everywhere they go. Lest a devil has to come out of me and I have to vomit in the middle of the bus station. That is nuts. If the devil has to come out, it will come out in the privacy of your own room. And you don't need a bucket and you're not going to vomit. So stop that nonsense. Amen. Just as you're praying, those things, he may say, speak to it. He may not say, speak to it. He didn't tell Dave to speak to it, yeah. Pastor Dave. It just came out because when the glory of God comes in because of prayer, other things just come out. Yeah. 
That lady my wife was talking about in Bible school, I'll close this, what precious lady pastor from the States was telling us her story about how she was just, could never finish things. She was so distracted and scattered and, and then the Lord showed her because she just started praying. Lord, she asked, why am I like this? See, she didn't ask, God wouldn't have showed her. She'd be scattered for the rest of her life. But she was smart enough to slow down and ask. And God gave her a little mini vision. And she saw that tarp looking thing, like, like, you'd, cover, like you'd cover logs and stuff. And she saw eyes peer, peering out and it was a fox. And the Lord said that sly demon, it represented a demon that was sly and trickery is always getting your attention onto this and then pulling your attention and you never finish anything and you're completely distracted on everything you do. Now, see, and that lady, she told us, she said, the Lord said to me, say, but it came up in her spirit, come out in Jesus' name. She's talking to that demon in her. Came out. She felt it come out. It's not scary. It's not weird. She didn't vomit. But, but Pastor Dave, God didn't say tell to come out. So every case is unique. What you need to focus on is not if it's a demon or not, but there could be an old shoe. Why do I act this way? I don't know why I had good notes. I had actually some fantastic things to share with you tonight. And I'm, and I'm not disappointed I didn't get to it because I know this is what God wanted, but I really did come prepared. But I just, from the moment I opened my mouth, he said, say this, say this, say this. So he's just bypassing me tonight. But some of you, all, maybe all of us need to ask, Lord, is there anything? And, and, and then if you, once you've done that, if there is something you're, you don't understand, why do I feel? Why do I act? Why is this bothering me so much? Why do I have walls? Was this, don't get into all the weird stuff about, well, was it back to the womb? And what about my childhood? And you don't have to do that. He'll tell you if you need to know. Just tell him what the problem is because he already knows the problem. He just wants you to acknowledge it. Lord, I, I don't know why, but I can't trust people. Lord, I don't know why, but I can't make friends. It's a big one. I don't know. They get close and I get fearful. There's a reason you get fearful. Now, you could all come for the counseling session and I could be booked to the rapture. Or, 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 please listen to the after the or, or, I don't mind counseling, but what I'm saying is counseling is for churches that don't know the Holy Ghost. And I'll still help you if you need it, but don't be lazy. Because if you come counseling and you haven't prayed, I'm going to turn you away. Don't be lazy. You've got the greatest counselor of eternity inside you. And I teach you about him with most churches don't. So you go and you sit before him and you say, Lord, why do I feel this way? Why can't I make friends? Where, where does the pain and the fear come from that I push people away? Why do I not be able to work with relationships? What is it that always makes it? And it could just be the, the partner that's, that's a loser. Or it could be you that have some old shoes, but you're blaming the partner. See, holy hush when we start talking about marriage issues. But why don't you just go and talk to the Lord about it? Praise God. Because he'll say, he'll say, honey, uh, it might take you a little while, so don't quit. But he'll, uh, he'll show you. Sometimes he talks and sometimes it's just a knowing. Uh, oh, that's what it was. Okay, well, Lord, I need you to heal me now in Jesus' name. Amen. Two days ago, Jenny said to me, we were talking about something and she kind of got a little bit, I just, her, she began to bristle. And I said, whoa, holy Toledo, what's going on here? I said, Jenny, what, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you so upset? She wasn't at me. I, I was talking about something. And she, she said, I don't know. It makes me angry. I said, honey, that's not, that doesn't make me angry when we talk about that. I'm not putting you down, but there's, there's something there. Well, you need to ask God, why does that make you so angry? So she did. She came back to me and she said, Jesus, talk to me. He told me why. It was something when she was a little child. Something happened. Nothing major, but just something happened with a family member said something to her and those words stayed in her heart and she didn't even remember until God reminded her. And he said, now you got to get those words out. That barb has poisoned something and, when, and that's why you react like that so aggressively. It came from there. I remember I was standing on the beach with my uncle. Sweet man, not a very godly man, but sweet man. And I just said this, I was so excited. He said, we're going to pick and chicken. I love picking chicken. They have grilled cheese. We didn't have processed cheese, only real cheese. I hated real cheese, but I love processed cheese. So anytime I could get to picking chicken, and he said, we're going to picking chicken and I'm paying, and I squealed with joy. I was only seven. I said, ah! And he pointed at me and he embarrassed me in front of the whole family and said, shut up! I don't know why he did that. To this day, I don't know why he did that. He said, you just be quiet. 
And my mother said, excuse me? Like she kind of stood up and, and they just brushed her off. Leave me alone. And he, just, he was just a kind of a mean man. He's, he got saved since and he's much nicer today. I don't see him much, but he was much nicer today. But I'm telling you, that word went right there. I felt like somebody had stabbed me as a little seven-year-old. Why? Why? I'm, I'm happy. Why would you do that to me? But I was too small to understand it. I was too small to understand. And years later, I would say, Lord, why do I react like this to certain things? I don't understand. He said that word that he said. He said that pierced you and you've never pulled out the barbs of that word. It's poisoned you. He said, I'm going to pull out that arrow and I'm going to heal you. And you watch. These situations won't hurt you the same way. And he did. And I'm telling you, it's like works like magic. It's like, it's like I'm immune in that particular area, not in other areas, in that particular area. So sometimes you don't know why you act the way you act, why you feel the way you feel, but there's reasons. And it's not always to do with childhood. It could be other things, but the Holy Ghost knows. So say, Father, show me what's wrong if there's anything and then if you know something be specific lord why is this like this because i want to be the best version of you in me hallelujah marinate me make me the most flavorful me that i am i don't want to be some old piece of meat i want to be a filet mignon and by the way for some of you people it's not filet mignon okay (laughs) i need to help people because i hear people still say that and it just drives me up the wall okay it is foyer, not foyer. And it is filet mignon. Right, Taylor? Did I say good? Because you're the Frenchie. Oh, thank God. Thank God. We ended a high note. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you for the non-note night. I thank you for the help of the Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that everything I'm talking about has something to do with the leading of the Spirit. And Lord, you're emphasizing tonight leading us into healing, leading us into personality adjustments, leading us into rough edges being shaved down, leading us into not justifying bad behavior because it's just us, or worrying about why we are hurt when we don't know why, and then living with that pain the rest of our lives. Lord, I thank you that you're going to help us. Lord, I started by by your leading, talking about not being ambitious and dying to our desires and letting you lead us because you know the future And when we fight you, we will pay a price. (laughs) Whether it's a relationship that now we can't leave because we're married, or whether it's a car that, thank God, we can leave because we're not married to it. But, Lord, we always pay a price when we violate the leading. Help us to be sensitive because you have our good in mind. You're not trying to hurt us. You're trying to bless us. You're trying to keep us safe. So I thank you, Father. Let these words go as a sweet rain onto the soil of their hearts and let them receive it and let let us all make changes. And where there's old shoes, let them come out. And where there's things wrong, heal us, Father. Show us. We will repent. We will do what's right. We want to look more like Jesus. We give you praise and glory. And everybody said a big amen and amen.